0: Well, good morning. We're going to go ahead and get started. Oh, thank you. If you haven't already, make your way to your seats. That includes other pastors in the church. That wasn't a follow-up, was it? No, not at all. Well, I want to say a couple of things before we jump in uh, and close out our series, um, our greater series that we've been doing. We close that out today. We begin our new Advent series next week called Emmanuel, God with us. Um, one of the things that I think we often forget about during the season is that God is not just, it wasn't just a history event that God came to visit with us He's here with us. Emmanuel means God with us, not God was with us. And we forget that sometimes, and that changes everything. If you realize that God is with us, here I am preaching next week's sermon, but if we hear that God is with us, instead of God was with us, it makes your life completely different and it changes everything. So just want to encourage you to start coming next week, uh, or continue coming next week, not start coming next week, uh, but continue coming next week as we uh, jump into that series. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Haggai. We're going old school today. We're going Old Testament. One of the things I often hear and I often get asked uh, is, is life going to be better? Is there something more than this? Is there something greater than what we have right now? Is there something better than what's going on right now? And, and, you know, obviously as a Christian, we have the eternal hope and, and eternal understanding and belief and knowledge that we have eternity waiting for us. Right. That eternity happens to be called the kingdom of God. Now, if you don't understand the kingdom of God, I, I am all, listen, I'm I'm jazzed up on the kingdom of God right now because I just spent a weekend at a, I spent a conference. I was at a conference on Thursday and Friday and uh, all we spoke about was the kingdom of God. And, and as we were speaking about this, it's interesting to see that, you know, uh, that there's all of these verses, but one of the verses that we often use is Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, that says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. You know, when you give yourself to Christ, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Lord and Savior, you receive salvation. That's true. But what else do you receive? You receive the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is given to you. You are open up, and it says, The kingdom of God are, are for those that understand or near or draw near to the kingdom of God. Jesus preached one time, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then he said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And then he also says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Do you know what that means? That means that unless you are born again of Jesus Christ, you can't understand what the kingdom of God is all about. Do you know, uh, and I, I this isn't the sermon I want to preach, but it's fresh in my mind, I got shared. So, do you know, up until 1880s, the average statement that was made in the church wasn't about salvation. You could You did not come into church and hear a message of salvation. Now, for those that think that, well, how did anyone win their way to Christ, or how did they accept salvation? It wasn't about salvation, it was about growing the kingdom of God. Until 1880s, prior to 1880s, from the time that Jesus left until the 1880s, there was this uh, idea that in order to see God's will done on this earth, the kingdom of God had to grow. And by receiving salvation, you received the kingdom of God. You understood what the kingdom of God that was, and so that you could not even grasp a hold of what the kingdom of God was unless you had salvation. And then in the 1880s, what we did was, uh, what happened is churches and the message, the Christian message, began to remove the kingdom of God. And so it became all about salvation in Christ alone. And so what happens, and the differences between those two are very simple and very easily to, uh, to not only misunderstand, but also to understand. If you remove the kingdom of God from the salvation message, what do you have? You have a narcissist's message that is all about me. I'm only trying to win my way to the eternity in heaven. So what that means, that means I can come down, I can say a prayer, I can bow my knees, I can be at the altar, I can ask Jesus into my heart, and then I can leave this place and walk out those doors and not change a bit because I'm not affecting the kingdom of God. I'm only affecting me. I'm only changing me. Prior to the 1880s, and what I believe today that we have to get back to is understanding that your salvation is only the beginning of seeing the kingdom of God grow. You're entering and having your eyes open up and seeing this kingdom of God grow. And so, therefore, when you receive salvation, you understand how important it is for the kingdom of God to grow, which means that you can't leave this doors with saying that I'm only gonna worry about myself. No, what do you wanna worry about? You gotta worry about the whole kingdom of God. We have misplaced, I believe in my heart of hearts, we have misplaced the salvation message for the kingdom message, and they work closely together. You cannot separate the two apart from each other. You cannot have the kingdom of God without salvation. You can't have salvation without the kingdom of God. They work together. You're going to hear more about that later. But as I was working through this weekend, I began to think about how this kingdom of God works with this greater message series and how we can go through all of these things. And I begin to think about the numerous times I've heard and had conversations with people just said, um, you know, and I have actually even said this. I, I just want to let you know that this is not something I just heard someone else say. This is something I have heard. I can't wait to get to heaven. Now we all say that, Right? And it is going to be a beautiful thing. And it is something that we should look forward to. It is something that we should long to receive because that is when we're going to be one and face-to-face with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Nothing better to that. But here's the problem with that. When we just worry about ourselves and we, say, we come to a place going, I can't wait to get to heaven, and that's all I'm worried about is that, what happens? We begin to focus on ourselves. We begin to focus on our own salvation. We begin to focus on this instead of, hey, by the way, if you're breathing in and out today, God still has a purpose for you right here and now, in this place. And so don't let your focus get so far on what is yet to come, or what is going to come, that you forget about the here and now, right now, in this place. See, sometimes we focus on the salvation of Christ so much so that we miss that God has a purpose for you and I here in this place. I don't care if you're newly born like Amelia and and, uh, Adeline or whether you're the oldest person in this church. I'm not going to call anyone out and say who the oldest person in this church is. Or you're somewhere in between. You have a purpose if you're here. If you understand salvation in Jesus Christ, if you have seen the kingdom of God because you have accepted this salvation, then you too have a purpose for being here. And we have to understand that our greater days are still yet to come. They're not the latter days, the days that have not been, or that have gone before. That yes, listen, I was laughing because uh, this week I was doing some work around the house and around the yard and. I started thinking to myself, man, I used to be able to do a lot of this stuff. You know, I used to be able to go mow the yard, do all the leaves, cut down a tree, do all of these things, get inside the house, clean the house, put everything away, get the house, the garage, clean up, do all of these things, and still have energy at the end of the day. Now I get tired just thinking about it. And I started to think to myself, man... I miss the days when my body was a little bit younger and I could do all those things I used to do. Now my knees creak and it hurts when I sit down or hurts when I stand up or hurts when I walk. I mean, it's, just, it's crazy, right? But I began to think about this idea that we have something greater. There's something greater than what we have and what we have. This isn't all that there is. I'm going to read this verse and then we'll jump back to the slide. Haggai chapter two, verse one through nine says, "In the seventh month, on the twenty-first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak down to Zerubbabel the son of uh, Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to the jo- and to just Jos- uh, to Joshua. I stumbled on the easiest name of the whole entire <laughs> verse. And to Joshua the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and all the remnant of the people, and say." Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet be strong, O Zerubbabel, declare the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Let's pause there and pray. Father, we thank you for this most wonderful and amazing day that you give to us. The day that we again get to understand that we are here to worship you and to see your kingdom grow. Father, let us understand that you are calling us to kingdom business. You are calling us to things that we have no idea and no understanding to the great things that you have for us. Lord, this verse in Haggai says that the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, that the days to come will be better than the days that have already passed. And Lord, that prophetic word that was given to the temple of God, may it also be true to us today, Father. May we understand that as long as we are here today, as long as we are breathing in and out, we have a job to do. And that is to serve you and worship you. So Father, help us today as we move along this way and this path to understand what you would say to us. Grasp a hold of our thoughts and our mind and help us to hear from you today. Remove any hindrances and things that are keeping us from hearing from you today. And Holy Spirit, we ask you, come and have your way. It's only through you that we can have this kingdom understanding, this kingdom wisdom, and this understanding of who our Father in heaven really is. So Holy Spirit, come and have your way in us today. Have your way in this service. Move us and help us to do your will. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, a few years ago, uh, well, actually more than a few years ago, I, I... you know, a few years ago would have been like one or two years ago. This was back when I was 10 years old. So this was uh, 39 years ago. Uh, crazy thinking about that. But 39 years ago, I was on a trip out west to Colorado uh, via the way of Mount Rushmore. So I'm driving in a car with my mom and my dad and my two sisters. And we're driving through Nebraska Getting ready to enter into I believe it was uh North Dakota or South Dakota, I can't remember which state, but along the road sign along the road, there was these signs. If you've ever taken the trip, if you've ever driven out to Mount Rushmore, you'll see these signs everywhere. And it's talking about a place called Waldrug. Anyone here Wall Waldrug? Yeah, one of the biggest places in South Dakota. Uh, but also right next to uh, the signs for Waldrug were these signs that says, the biggest corn museum ever in the face and time of the earth. And I'm like, this is really cool. You know, 10 years old, I'm thinking, a corn museum? Yeah, don't ask me why. I thought that was cool at 10 years old, but I did. Don't judge me, all right? This is a judgment-free zone. Don't judge your pastor now. As we go down the road, every five, ten miles, you see another sign. Come and see the largest display of corn. The largest corn display that you'll ever see in the whole entire earth. We have everything in this corn museum. And as we're driving down the road, and this is for hundreds and hundreds of miles, I'm seeing this sign. And I kept telling to my father, we got to go there. I've got to see the largest corn sculpture ever made. And my dad's like, Sign is not going to be what you think it is. And I'm like, yes, it'll be awesome. We got to stop and see this. And so, for hundreds and hundreds of miles, as we're driving down the road, we see these signs. And every time we see one of these signs, I point it out to my father and I go, look, there's another sign. It has to be cool. They have hundreds of signs on the side of the road. So, we finally get close enough. We pull into what looks like an abandoned high school. That should have been my first clue, right? As we walked in, we paid, I think at the time it was like five bucks or something, which was a fair amount of money at the time, right? This is for almost 40 years ago. This was a fair amount of money that we pay to uh, per person to get in there. And as I walk into this old uh, abandoned, school, what looked like an old abandoned school. I'm looking around and I'm like, where's the biggest monument, the biggest sculpture of corn ever made before? And the lady goes, calm down, son. You'll get to it. You got to go through the museum first. And I'm like, okay. And so we're walking through and she's trying to tell us all the different versions of corn and showing us these corn cobs and kernels and all of this stuff. And I don't care about any of this. All I want to see is this magnificent, beautiful sculpture of corn that's supposed to be the tallest ever. I'm thinking, this has to be as big as the Eiffel Tower. It has to be huge. We walk into the gymnasium of the corn, and there stands on the wall a corn cob made out of corn kernels that goes from the floor to the bottom. And I look, and she goes, have feast your eyes on the largest sculpture of corn ever made before. That's it? That's it? That's what I said at 10 years old. I look at the lady and I'm like, that's it? And the lady's like, yeah, isn't it amazing? No, it's not amazing. My house is bigger than that. And she goes, but it's the biggest mute." I said, that can't be the biggest kernel uh, or the biggest... Uh, sculpture of kernels of corn has ever been made i have silos in my home that are bigger in my neighborhood that are bigger than that and she kept saying and just talking about how many kernels of corn it took to build this museum and i stopped and i literally went to the side of the gymnasium and i sat down and i was in for the one of the biggest disappointments of my life Here for hundreds of miles I saw and read these signs of this great monument that I was supposed to see. I'd built it up inside of my heart and my mind to be something great. And when my eyes feast upon this skimpy little monument, all I could say was, is that all there is? There has to be something more than that. See, sometimes in life when we... As we age, as we get older, we have this process of stopping and looking back at our life and saying, is that it? Is that all there is? We build up, listen, every child builds up Christmas Day, right? Every child can't wait until Christmas Day, can't wait to get to that day when we can rip open the presents and see what's there. And then when we get there, at the end of the day, there is this little, oh, the day's over. Or as adults, we do this. As young adults, I should say, how many of us had "Look, at 16 and we are waiting to, I can't wait until I get to 16 years old so I can go out and drive a car. And then when we get to 16 and we drive and your mom says, now you got to take your little sister or brother to the, to the school and you're like, that's it, that's all there is. I, I worked and, and worked myself up to 16 just so, so I could drive little Joey or little Johnny to school. I don't want to do that. We do this in our hearts and in our minds. We build everything up. Well, humans have a way of building things up. We have a way of building all of these things up only to ask, is that all there is? See, what happens too often is that we reflect either on the glory or the bad of the past. And we don't look at what is yet to come. There's only one thing on this earth that will not disappoint us that we will not ask, is that all there is? And that is the saving grace of Jesus Christ. When we see him eye to eye and we enter into heaven, that is the only thing that I believe we'll ever see on this face of this earth that will say, that is way more than I ever thought or ever could imagine it might be. The problem of this is, is that that is yet still to come. For every single person in this room, none of you have yet to meet Jesus Christ face-to-face in person because you're still breathing in and out on this earth. And thank God that you are. I'm happy that you're all still part of our congregation, that you're friends, and that we're here. One day we will all get to meet him. One day we'll get to... But right now, it's not that one day. And so we can't reflect on our past life. We can't reflect on the things that have happened in the past. We have to reflect on what God is doing in our life right now. See, it's oftentimes that we do look back on our past. We look back on our past as young people and say, it was much easier when my body was in shape and my bones didn't hurt and my joints didn't hurt. And yes, that is true. Or we look back and say the former days. I, listen, I remember back fondly when I was out of my mind and I asked Jay to preach a message. I'm kidding, (laughs) Jay. No, but just to think about that, I I mean, listen, I remember fondly in the days when we first started, I remember the very... I I, I remember, and uh, Doreen, I don't know if she remembers this, but I remember the very first phone call that we had that Doreen and I talked on the phone about the church. I remember the first days of when we planted Passion Community Church, I remember, unfortunately, pulling into Neomed with the trailer and unloading that whole entire trailer and my son and my daughter and my wife and I setting up church, trying to do as quickly as we can to get everything set up. I remember those days. And I remember them fondly. But there's way more to what God wants to do in us here today than what he's ever done in the past. I remember the miracles of what God did in, in, in and through our church. I remember those amazing miracles and how God healed uh, Pat Moon of cancer, and I remember how God had healed Steve Quick of cancer. I remember all of those things. Those are amazing events that happened and are amazing things that God did in our church, and we'll never forget those things. But you know what? God isn't a God that stays in the past. He's in the presence. He's a God of the present, not of the past. So we have to stop looking at the past and saying those were great days. Yes, they were great days, but we don't stay in the past, we stay in the future where God is and right now now in the presence of where he's at we have to stop thinking about the former days were great days and well today is just today no today is an amazing opportunity for you and I to go out and make a difference in Christ see God is calling us to look not past but look future on what we can do to see amazing works in him today not yesterday but today what does he want to do in your life today Haggai, this prophetic book, Haggai is receiving a prophecy about the temple. Now you have to understand that the temple that was destroyed, this is, they're rebuilding the temple. The reason why they're rebuilding the temple is because the temple was destroyed. The temple that was destroyed was built by Solomon. Who is Solomon? He was the richest king ever to live this earth, right? Solomon was an amazing king. He was an amazing guy. Wisdom, full of wisdom. But even he too failed. I mean, if you go back and you read history, Solomon failed. And so we find that this temple that Solomon built, Solomon had gold and he had silver and he had jewels and he had amazing things put into the temple. It was an amazing view. It was one of the largest structures ever built. And you could see, they say that you could see it shine for miles on a bright sunny day because there are so many jewels and gold and silver into the temple that it just was an amazing feat of architecture. Yet it was destroyed. And so we find in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, that the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Who is he speaking to? He's speaking to Zerubbabel, easy for me to say, the son of Shetel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak the high priest. Now here's the problem: the temple that once that Solomon built was full of Israelites. There are many people there that surrounded them, that that were with them, that were celebrating with them about this amazing temple. But now the Israelites have been in bondage. They have been they have seen the temple destroyed. They think it's the end. It's been hundreds of years since the Lord has spoken, and now we see Nehemiah and we see uh, Jeremiah and we see all of these guys coming to see the temple built again. They want the temple to be built again. But here now, Haggai comes and says, we must build the temple. The problem is, guess what? They don't have the funding like Solomon had. The funding that they had to build this temple was very little. There wasn't anything. And so when they begin to build this temple, and they begin to see it build up, it is not as grand as this temple that Solomon built. It doesn't have the gold. It doesn't have the silver. It doesn't have the jewels that Solomon put into it. And so the word says to Haggai, who is left among you, who saw this house in its former glory, how do you see it now? Is it not, not as nothing in your eyes? The word of the Lord is looking upon them and saying, listen, yes, I know the former temple was amazing. Yes, I know how beautiful it is, but don't think about uh, it. Yes, and as you look at it today, it may look as something that's not as grand as what it used to be. But guess what? It doesn't matter what the outside looks like because it's what's on the inside that matters most. So the word goes on and says, Yet now be strong. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord with the Lord work for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. See, there's something that happens when we stop reflecting on the past and we reflect on the job that God has to do right now. We have to stop asking and saying, God, will you repeat what you did in the past? No, I don't want God to repeat what he did in the past. I want what God has for me right now today. I want to see the miracles of what God has for me today. I've seen some amazing things in my life. Don't get me wrong. Some amazing miracles have happened and I've got to see those amazing things. But, and all of those are wonderful things and I love sharing testimonies about those things. This past week at the conference, I got to share a testimony of my life and what I've been able to do and see and how God has worked in my life. And that has been wonderful. But you know what? I'm not living in the past. I'm living into today. So I expect God. I have an expectation. Let me say, let me say it that way. I have an expectation with God that he's going to do something amazing right here and right now, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of where I am at, regardless of where any of you are all at, we are expecting and we come in expectation that God's going to do miracles in this place. God says, according to the covenant that I made with you, when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. See, one of the most important things that we have to understand is that regardless of what it looks like, God, as long as we are following him, as long as our eyes are fixed upon him, we're not living in sin, but we're living in God, that he is in our midst. It's not the gold and the silver that makes the temple so amazing. It was God's presence inside the temple that made it so amazing. And so regardless of what it looked like, whether it had silver, gold, jewels, and any of those things, none of that mattered. What mattered most was that God resided there. And so God is reminding them of this very fact. He's saying, listen, it doesn't matter what you have to build this temple. It doesn't matter that you don't have the supplies that Solomon had. It doesn't matter that you don't have the people that you had. You have me, and that's all that matters. And then he goes on and says, Once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of nations will come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Do you understand what God is saying in this midst? He's saying, "Listen, you may not have what you need right now, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to shake the nations. I'm going to shake those that are scared, and I'm going to shake them, and I'm going to, I'm going, I'm going to sift out the, 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 the easy for me to say, the weeds and the tares. I'm going to separate out, and I'm going to bring in to the midst of my temple exactly what I need, exactly what you need. You know, one thing's for sure what happened in the last uh, two or three years with COVID is I believe that it's shaken the foundation of Christianity. I don't like it, but you know what it did? It took those people that are on the peripheral, the people that are just literally, I'm coming to church because it sounds good, because I feel good, because those things make me feel good, and it started to shake the foundation. It says, okay, how important really is church to you? How important is all of these things to you? Is shaking, God is shaking the earth to bring out what he needs. He needs to bring out the people that are here to work, the people that are here to do the job that he has called us to do, the people that are focused on his kingdom and not ourselves. And he's beginning to shake those. But then he goes on to say, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Do you know what he's gonna do? What he's saying is look, literally, listen, I don't care what Solomon put into the temple. I didn't care what the old temple had. All of the silver and the land is mine. All of the gold is mine. It's so funny when we listen. Every week Jay gets up here and he gives this message about tithing and he says something about worship and those. God doesn't need your money. Do you ever thought about that? You ever sat there and thought about this for a moment? He doesn't need your money. He wants you to be obedient with the silver and gold that he has given to you. That's the whole purpose of tithing. The, the purpose of tithing has nothing to do with funding the church, has nothing to do with funding a, uh, the salary of a pastor. Yes, those are some things that happen through the giving of the church. Yes, but most of all, what it meant, none of that matters because God is in control of all things. He owns the silver and the gold and all of those things. What he wants from us is our obedience. That's what he calls from That's what it's really about. It's about being obedient to him. And so when God says, I have all the silver, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. What he's telling him is, don't worry about it. I have everything you'll ever need. You think Solomon had silver and gold? Wait until you see what I have. You think Solomon was able to buy the best wood and the best bricks and the best all of this? Don't worry about it because you know what? I gave Solomon everything that he needed. I'm the one who blessed Solomon with those things. We have to take a step back here and understand that God, what he's truly saying to you and I is that we're never in need. We're always in need of him. We're not in need of financial things. We're in need of him always. Then he finally ends this, uh, this portion of this verse with the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace. I bring this verse up because do I think that this is prophetic for today? I'm not here to say this was a prophetic verse that was given specifically to the temple of God at the time. Do I think it applies for us? I do. I do think that if we would take a step back and say, it doesn't matter what we've gone through, it doesn't matter what we see, that God has something great for you and I in store. See, the former, what, what he's talking about in the former, we've talked about this, the former temple was a work of art. We've talked about the, how great uh, Solomon built this temple and all of these amazing things. But sometimes the former things of our life seem to be a, uh, a thing of beauty. And we focus on those things way too much. And like Solomon, we pour all of this energy and effort into this amazing kingdom or this amazing temple. And the temple was a place for what? Anyone know? was the Holy of Holies, the place that resided, where God resided. The temple that was built, that Solomon built, the temple that Haggai is prophesying about right here, that's going to be built, was about the temple of God, where God could reside. What happened when Jesus died on the cross? God's no longer God is no longer constricted to the temple. He's actually in and can be in every single one of us. So guess who's the temple today? Yeah, we are the temple of God. Uh, Some people like to say that I'm a mega church, but that's okay, I'll be a temple. But uh, the truth of the matter is simply this. The temple of God is us. And so when we look at these things, when we understand that, when we understand that we're the temple of God, God is going to provide the riches that we need. And so when he's prophesying about shaking of the earth, guess what he's doing? He's going to provide the workers. He's going to provide the funds. He's going to provide all of the tools they need to Haggai and to those working on the temple so that they can build the temple. Do you think he's not going to provide to you for you to be the temple of God? The things that you need today to do what God has called you to do today for you to go out and share the the kingdom of God with your neighbors, for you to go and pray for the sick and see them healed, for you to lay hands upon people and see miracles happen, God is going to give you what you need if you only would believe it. If you would only pause and take a moment and say, my former is not going to be better than my future. God wants to do amazing things in us. It's God that makes our futures bright, not our circumstances. You know, oftentimes we look at this and we we think about, oh, my future is going to be bright because I have a great job or, you know, uh, I have wonderful children and I have all of these things and everything's going okay and everything's perfect and everything's falling in line and therefore it's going to be a great future because of those things. You know what? All of those things can be taken away just like that. We prayed for um, Mike Booker in Calvary Chapel today because... He's a good friend of mine, and at the conference, I was speaking to him, and uh, we spoke, we, we prayed for him a few, uh, few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. His daughter, at the age of 24 years old, found out she had leukemia and died within six months. She had a, uh, she had a one-year-old child, and she had a four-month-old child. And they found out she had leukemia through her last uh, child. And I was talking to Mike about this, and he said, Jason, he goes, you know what, I had a beautiful, he has 15 kids, by the way, so. Um, <laughs> and I said, Mike, I said, 15 kids, how do, you, how do you keep track of all of them? And he goes, I know where every single one is. I said, I bet you do. He says, I know a dad. And he goes, and my heart hurts for every single one of them. Because of what happened to his Abby, he called her. Her name was Abby. And he goes, Jason, everything was perfect. One day, uh, you know, my church is going well, my family's going well, my relationship with my wife is going well. I'm seeing, I, you know, my kids are, are having babies and I'm having all of these grandkids and everything's wonderful. And then in a blink of an eye, just like that, I find myself preaching at my daughter's funeral. And he goes, I thought my future days would be much better than my past days. But as I look at it now, now I've got to figure out how to live my life without my daughter. Some of you have been in a very similar situation where you've lost a family member or lost a loved one or a child. And we have to look upon those things and and say the time that we got to spend with our children and with those people, our loved ones are wonderful things. But even because of that, the future is brighter. You know, one of the things that Mike said is that, and I, I, and I, you know, listen, I told him, I said, Mike, I don't know how, I don't know if I can understand completely what you're saying, but I do understand. What he said to me was that he said, as much as it hurt to stand up and, and speak at my uh, daughter's funeral, hundreds of people have come to know Christ because of her funeral and because of her life because of her husband and because of her and what she stood for. If it wasn't for her, there'd be hundreds of people less in the kingdom of God than what there is today. And I looked at him and I said, you know, Mike, it's not the circumstances of our life today that we face, but it's what God's doing in our life that's going to make our future bright. It's him and our relationship with him that matters most. And we spoke for a long time on this, but see, you have to understand that Our life is not dictated by the circumstances we live in today. Our life is dictated by who Jesus Christ is in our lives. We can face any circumstances that come. We can face the wind that may blow. We can face the stumbling blocks that might be put in front of us if we are sure that our life in Jesus Christ is exactly where it needs to be. He's the one that makes our futures bright. He's the one that makes our past bright. He's the one that makes the future bright. He's the one that makes our present bright. But we have to walk with him. I was, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just still struck by that conversation and just, it was an amazing conversation. But to think about how God is still moving in her life and through him, it's an amazing thing. I was asked the other day if I fear the future. And I thought about it for a moment and said, no, I do not. You know, and the person that was asking me this question said, Well, you're not fearful of persecution, you're not fearful of, uh, you know, the government taking over or, or this political party or this, uh, or the, the, the idea of transgender and all of the things that are going on. I said, No, I'm not worried about any of that stuff. You know why? Because I have Jesus Christ. I don't have to fear the future. I don't have to worry about those things. My past may have been bright. But one of the things that, and, and uh, Steve, I don't mean to call you out, but one of the things that Steve and I used to do, we'd walk down and go, we remember the past and how great it is. We, we recite that all the time. Steve often says that the music of the 70s was much better than any other, uh, any other generation. Um, I don't know if I agree with him 100% on that, though there is some good music in the 70s and 80s and 90s, Steve. but the idea of this is that it's not the past that means as much to us when we look at that we reflect on the past it's what we're going to do moving forward we have to stop living in the past and saying the past is was much better listen i i am you can ask steve i've said this a hundred times man the way the things that were in the past were way better i love the i didn't have to worry about you know when I was a kid, I went outside and I stayed outside from morning to night. Didn't have to worry about the computer. Didn't have to worry about Facebook. Didn't have to worry about Twitter. Didn't have to worry about what was going on. Didn't have to worry about being uh, abducted or any of those things. I'd go outside and I'd stay outside until my mom would come out to the door and go, Jason, get in here. It's time for dinner. Today, we can't do that in the world we live in. But does that make the past better than the future? No, it makes it different. Yes. But we have to stop living in the past and living in today and say, okay, how do I take what God has given? See, the gift that God has given every single one of us that are in this room is the gift of living in the present where we're at today. He has called each, He believes so much inside of every one of you in this room that He placed you perfectly in the time and table that you are in right here, right now to face what you're facing on this earth. It means that you have the skill sets, you have the abilities, you have all of the things to look and make your future as bright as the past ever was and ever could be. Your future could be even better. What a future. When God shakes the nations and he brings the money and the silver and the gold and all the things that were needed to build the temple, do you know what happened? God did shake the nations, by the way, and he completely switched around. but you know, Haggai speaks shortly, I mean hundreds of actually hundreds of years before Jesus Christ came. God did shake the nations, and he will again shake the nations. He is, I believe, shaking the nations today. But the future that is before the temple at that time wasn't so bright because of the temple being built. It was bright because Jesus and God resided there and wanted to be there. That was his temple. When God wants to reside with us, when God wants to be with us, when he chooses to be with us, then we can understand that our future will be brighter than any past that we ever had. Many gave up on a past during these days of what it was going to be. They looked for the riches of this world. They looked for the past. And instead of staying committed to God, they walked away from their faith. In the world we live in today, we are living in a very similar world where today many people are looking upon the past and they're beginning to find themselves fading away from God because they can't see God in the present They can only see him and what has happened in the past. We gotta stop looking at God in the past and look at God right now. We need to stop asking God to bless us with what has happened in the past and bless us with what he's doing right now and right here. Our prayer should not be, God, I want us, I want it to be like the way it was. God, I want it to be the way that you want it to be right here, right now in this place. I want to receive what you have for me in this place. Today, the church isn't that much different. People have left and are leaving the church at an alarming rate. Do you know that? Barna says that uh, roughly they think in the last four years that somewhere close to forty to fifty percent of the church in the United States has walked away from the church. Forty to fifty percent of church-going individuals have walked away from the church. Barna also had a very interesting uh, <laughs> had a very interesting. Uh, research where he said that uh, about 60, uh, I'm sorry, 60% of Americans still call themselves Christians, 60%. When Barna asked what it means to be a Christian, that means they understand who God is, not whether he had a relationship, that was the answer that most people gave, they knew who God was, so that meant they had a relationship with Jesus. When he took the 60% of people that he pulled, he also asked how many of you currently go to church. You know, 70% of those who call themselves Christians don't attend church today, according to Barna. Now I can look at all of those things and I can look back and say, I remember the days when all you had to do was open the doors to church and people would come flocking in. I remember the days when you would, the pastor would stand up and say, guess what, we're doing a Thanksgiving outreach and everyone would show up. I hope I'm making you feel a little convicted about tomorrow. (laughs) I remember the days when churches were full. You remember in 2001, September, uh, I think it was September, uh, it was like 14th or 15th, right after September 11th, 2001. Do you remember the churches that day? you remember going to church that day? There wasn't an empty seat in any church that I had ever gone in that day. And that lasted for all of about three weeks. Three weeks later, the churches were almost back to the way they were prior to that. Today, people are leaving the church at an alarming rate. But I believe God is still shaking the church. I believe he's shaking his people. To separate the true believers from those who faith isn't. I believe that COVID, inflation, persecution has caused many people to ask this question. Is church really worth it? Is going to church worth it? And can I tell you right here and right now that God is still doing miracles in our midst? And yes, it's worth every second of every moment you ever spend. Money and the lure of many things have caused people to drift away. But we have to ask the question, what is the future of the church? Where are we going? What are we doing? Where are we going to see God's movement on this earth? See, I believe today that God is calling a remnant of people like he did in that day of Haggai. He's calling a remnant of people to say, I'm going to rebuild the church. I'm going to rebuild the temple. And when I'm saying the temple, guess what? That's you and I. He's going to rebuild and what that means is that we have to focus not on ourselves but we have to focus on growing the kingdom of God. We got to stop saying, listen, I want to receive salvation. I want to receive this. I want to No, I want others to re- receive salvation. I want others to receive the kingdom of God. I want others to be blessed. It's a narcissistic attitude to come in and say, I want to receive blessings from God. No, I want the people around me to receive the blessings of God. That's what the kingdom of God is and by God blessing the people around you, guess what? You're going to be blessed too. God doesn't just bless. If there's one thing that we know for sure about God is God doesn't just bless people that we pray for. He blesses those that also ask for those blessings too. And so we got to stop asking those questions. We got to stop living in the past, whether good or bad. If you had a bad past and those things that happened, it doesn't dictate who you are today. That bad past is as gone as what today and as what good past is gone as well. One of the things that Jesus says is that your sins are as far from the east as they are from the west. I don't know, but have you ever met the east where the east and the west meet? You can't. <laughs> it's impossible. Just as though you can't meet where the, you can meet the equator and you can meet the international timeline. And I guess that's the closest you could ever get to it. God has promised us that a future of the church is what he's going to do. What that means is that for you and I, we have to be obedient to him and live for him today. Not worrying about our past, not comparing to what we had in the past, not even what my age and my body was like in the past, but living for today and understanding, I, yes, I have restrictions today. I have to follow. But that doesn't mean that I'm done. That doesn't mean that I'm not being used by God. That doesn't mean that I'm over the hill. It doesn't mean that that we have no purpose and that we should be sent out to the horses and shot because we don't have any purpose anymore. Right? For those that don't understand that, that's what they used to do in old days when the horses didn't have any other purpose. Just an alarming thought, but that's what they did. We're not going to be put out the pasture. We're not going to be put out to all of those things. We have a purpose. We have a place. God wants to rebuild the temple of God. And I believe that starts with you and I in this place. But we have to stop focusing on ourselves and focus on others. What does that mean? That means that we have to focus. I believe more than ever, and Pastor Chaz and I talk about this all the time, and I'm sorry I'm going to be redundant, but I'm going to be redundant until I'm blue in the face or until I die and the Lord takes me home. Discipleship is key to everything that we do. Why? Because those people who come and ask Jesus into their heart, but never get discipled, what have we created? We've created a personality, a narcissist personality, not person, because they've only focused on their salvation. Discipleship teaches you not only to focus on your own salvation, but it teaches you why the kingdom of God is so important, and why, what your purpose and what your role is in the kingdom of God. And so therefore, it gives you a purpose and a place to say, I'm not just going to go out here and, and kind of come to church when I feel like it, and kind of pray when I feel like or when I have some problem in my life. No, it teaches us to live in a relationship with Jesus Christ, live in a relationship with God, and that we have a purpose to stretch out. Our purpose isn't just for ourselves. Our purpose is for those that are around you. Just like the purpose of this church isn't just for all of us in this room. Our church will never grow. Our church will never be what God intended for us to be if we only focus on what's going on inside these this doors and inside this building right here. The reason why we preach the message as we do is because we want you, as you walk out those doors right there, to take the message that we have given to you in here and share the message with the community. Pray for them. Don't be afraid to walk up to them and lay your hands on them and say, hey, I need. I want to pray for you. I want to ask the Lord to bless you. I want to ask the Lord to seek you. You know, this past... Um, This past week I was at Bridge Builders and as I was walking across the school to receive the kids and to walk the kids across, uh, the lady that I was walking with was telling me about something that was going on in her life. And I said, can I pray for you? And she said, right here and right now? And I said, absolutely, right here and right now. She goes, but we're going to be late to pick up the kids. I said, the school can wait a few minutes. And so we stopped right in the middle of Route 44, stopped traffic and started, no, I'm kidding. We, (laughs) We crossed 44 we stopped right there on the edge of 44, and I prayed for her. God is doing things in our lives if we just open our eyes, He's bringing them right to you. He's bringing these people at your bedside. He's bringing these people at your phone. He's bringing these people in your social media. He's bringing these people to you and your job and to your family that's going and crying out, I need to know what the kingdom of God looks like. And when we just don't do anything, guess what? When we focus on ourselves, we're doing a disservice to God. Will the worship team come? Please. We need to stop living under the chains of the good or bad past that we have had, and be set free to live in the present day of today's glory in Him. You are not defined by your past. The church was not defined by its past. We need to stop living under the chains of those pasts, whether good or bad, and start living under what God has for us. We have to stop believing that our best days have passed us. Our best days have not passed us. If you're here today and you're breathing in and out again, I will say this one more time, your best days are still living today, right now, right here. I don't care how good your past was. I don't care how wonderful your past was. Your best days are right here and right now. Why? Because it's Jesus Christ that makes our days best. And the closer we get to him, the better our days will be. You have an opportunity to have a blessed life in this place, right here, right now. All you have to do is grow closer to him and continue to seek Him and to be obedient to Him. Will you stand with me, please? Today is an entirely new time frame that the Lord is calling you and I to. He's calling us to be obedient for what He has for us. The question I have for you is, do you believe that your future is something to look forward to, or is your future something that you're fretting? I don't care what doctors have told you. I don't care what you think you have. I don't care how bright your past was or how bad your past was. Your future is now and your future is brighter. Not because of anything that you and I will do, but it's because of Jesus in our lives if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have accepted him and his salvation message for your life, then your future is brighter than your past ever could be. Your present, you're right here right now is the brightest moment of your life. But what you do with it, what you have, the opportunity you take is in your hands. You can be obedient to what God has given to you and say, I'm going to live in the future and I'm I'm going to live right now. I'm going to live in the present, not just the future. I'm going to live in the present right now. I'm going to take all that he has for me and I'm going to go out and make a difference. I'm going to go out and share the kingdom of God with people around me. Or we can stop and say, listen, my past was so great. I'm just going to stop and reflect and we waste away. Steve, this is a good one for you. In the words of this amazing band, one hit wonder band called Timbuk3. Anyone remember them? Yeah. They had one really good song. Anyone know what that song was? That's right. That's right. My future's so bright, I gotta wear shades. You know, they have had over 10 million plays of that song. The other songs that they played haven't even reached... 100,000. One song. But in that one song, it dictates so much of what we can look forward to. And that is our future is so bright. And I gotta wear shades. I almost wish I had sun- sunglasses. I put them on right now. Listen, your future is bright. And we must focus on Him. Focus on everything that He has for us. But we gotta focus on that right now. We gotta stop living in the past, living in the and our failures, living in all of those things and live for today. Will you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you for this day. We glorify you, we honor you, and we praise you, and we thank you for the life that you've given to us right here and right now. Lord, forgive us for living in the past. Forgive us for reflecting on the good things that have happened in the past. And understand that, Lord, when you said to Haggai, or Haggai prophesied in your words. That the former days of this place will be greater than the latter or will be <laughs> the latter will be greater than the former. I believe that is true for every single one of us. That our days moving forward are going to be so much greater because we are living with you, Father. And so help us to reflect today on this very moment that we can live with you. And today, Lord, I pray that if there's someone here that's never given their life to Christ, that today could be that day. That they can see the kingdom of God for the first time. Revealed to them of what the purpose and place that they have for them. That you have for them. It's as simple as saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Following what Romans 10 verse 9 says, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that what he did on the cross was enough for me. By saying those words and having that faith. You have salvation, but it doesn't end there. So whether you're at home watching online or you're here, understand that whether you're a Christian for five years, one moment, one day, five years, 10 years, 100 years, it doesn't matter. Your job is to be discipled so that you can disciple others and see the kingdom of God growing in this place. That is how our futures are bright. It's not by anything that we will do. It is by you, Father, in our lives. And So Lord, help us today to do those things. Help us today to grasp a hold of that future that is so bright that we do have to wear shades. Lord, we thank you. We glorify you. We honor you. We praise you. We help you. We ask you, Lord, help us to focus on our latter days, our days to come, and how great they can be because you are in every single one of those. And as long as we stay obedient to you, we will live for you ever and ever, and we will be unbelievably surprised about how wonderful our life will be in you. We glorify you Father, we honor you, and we praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side I can only imagine what my eyes will see Your face is before me. I can only imagine. Surrounded by Your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for You, Jesus? Or in all of You be still? Will I dance in Your presence? Or to my knees, will I fall? Will I sing Hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all I can only imagine? I can only imagine. I only imagine when the day comes and I find myself standing in the sun. I can only imagine when all I want to do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine. Lord, what will my heart feel, will I dance for you Jesus, or in all you be still, will I stand in your presence, to my knees will I fall, will I sing, hallelujah, will I be able to speak the Lord, I can only imagine, yeah. I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? What will all of you be? Will I stand in your, your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah, oh, will I be able to speak at all? I I'm can only imagine, I I'm can I'm only, only imagine, I I'm can only imagine. I'm only imagine. You know, I uh, <laughs> you had to play that song, didn't you? <laughs> that was, um... As I said in the, the uh, emergency room uh, parking lot, when my dad was being brought into the emergency room, at, he had already passed away. He, was pass, he had passed away in the, in the uh, ambulance on the way there. That was the song that was on the radio. As I was blaring it out at the top of my lungs, You know, I was thinking about what my father might possibly be seeing. And it's an amazing story. But you know what? Here's the thing. I love that song. I do. I absolutely love it. But can you only imagine if we live that way today, right here and right now? If we experience what the people who passed from this earth, you know, God promises His presence to be with us here and now. Not just when we die and go to heaven. It's not just that His presence is going to be, we don't get His presence when we die and that's the only time we ever get it. We get His presence right here and right now. So we can imagine, we can experience all of those amazing things right here and right now. If we only asked, and we only sought, and we only seeked, and we only would be obedient to Him, He would come into us here in this place. So may I encourage you today, before you leave this place, or as you walk out those doors, make sure that you're walking out with the presence of God. That you're asking that question, Lord, what is it going to be like with me today as I live that life with you? Father, we thank you for this day. We glorify you, we honor you, we praise you. We give you glory. We give you all of these things, Father, because you call us to walk in you. And Lord... No man shall see the kingdom of God unless he has salvation in you, Father. So every single person here in this room who has given their life to you, who has a relationship with you, knows what the kingdom of God looks like and can walk in that kingdom of God as they leave this place. So help us today, Father, to walk in that kingdom presence, to know that you are with us every moment of every second of every day, that we are blessed by you. Send us forth this place, being obedient, followers of you, working and doing the will of what you have us to do in this place. We love you, Lord. We glorify you. We honor you. We praise you now in Jesus' most precious and holy name. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you again next week.